Welcome into the J.P. Shadrick Podcast. Today is Tuesday, April 24th, and today we'll have a special edition, a pre-draft Jags Media Roundtable discussion featuring Hayes Carline of 1010XL, Mike DiRocco of ESPN, and Mark Long of the Associated Press. But first, a look ahead to the week of draft coverage. Coming up Wednesday, Jaguars.com live at 1 o'clock. Brian Sexton will be in Dallas with a preview of the coming days before the draft. Thursday's the big day, of course. We'll have Jaguars Thursday radio from 6 to 7 at Daly's Place for the 2018 uniform launch and draft party. 7 o'clock on Action News Jacks television. It's the Jaguars draft show, one-hour preview of the draft, including interviews with Tom Coughlin and a live visit with GM Dave Caldwell just outside the draft room. Starting at 9 o'clock, it's the Jaguars radio draft special on 1010XL, and the guys will go live from Daly's Place through the Jaguars selection in the first round. Our coverage on Jaguars.com will begin immediately after the Jag selection in that first round and will bring immediate reaction, plus live press conferences and much more Thursday night after the Jaguars make the pick. Now, to who that pick might be. We've got a special trio from the Jaguars beat to break it all down. Mark Long, Associated Press. Oh, I get first billing. Let's start over. Mark, Mike DiRocco, <laughs> ESPN, and Hayes Carline of 1010XL. What's up, guys? Hayes, what's up? Doing great. How are you? Oh, you know, ready for the draft. I am, know. too. Ready or not, here it is, guys. DRock, here it is, the draft, finally. Thank God. You ready for this to be over? Uh, no, I just want the draft to be here. I mean, I'm excited about it. All, it's, all this pre-draft stuff kind of gets old around this time now we spend the last month breaking down prospects and they could have had the draft like a month ago and been fine right? could have had it in january january <laughs> no oh, really no no but yeah, yeah i mean it, it, stretch it out stretch it out league's gotta stretch it out but yeah i mean it's finally here and that's exciting for yeah. sure um we had the the pre-draft media luncheon last week on friday where the football brass talked with the media before the draft and I don't know how much we learned in that, and that's kind of a, an annual tradition. They don't really give up a lot <laughs> in this thing, right, Mark? I mean, but it's good to kind of hear some final thoughts before the draft. Can you imagine if they actually did give up something like, hey, this is the guy we like, these are the top three or four guys we like, and uh, you're, we're hoping when this guy falls. Uh, that would be pretty, pretty special, but that's never going to happen. And uh, you got to read. This is an unbelievable test for writers, broadcasters, TV people. Um, to read between the lines because I do think I think it's human nature to be a little uh, to have some tells anybody who you know plays poker you have some tells and I think these guys have some tells and I think you just got to be able to read between the lines and and put some pieces together and figure out uh, who they like and who they're going to draft got in a poker reference yeah. uh, <laughs> on top of everything <laughs> I uh, love you, my poker <laughs> what do you think of that Hayes because you do, as he said, you have to read read between the lines with these guys because they're not going to just come out and tell you, especially a guy like Tom Coughlin. Right. I do get a sense that there is more confidence. There's a, a looseness uh, this year than there was last year when they were sort of feeling each other out a little bit. Sure. Um, so I do think, to Mark's point, that that can lead to a little bit more uh, of information. But when you look at what they've been able to do in the last two drafts with obviously the Jalen draft, Miles Jack, Yannick, and then last year hitting on Fournette and Cam Robinson, I mean, this is a front office that should be walking around with their heads held high and with a lot of confidence. And I think you kind of saw some of that today. And now they've got a little bit more of a challenge because if they don't move up, they're going to watch 28 guys go off the board before they're on the clock. Well, D-Rock, you know, it, to, to Hayes' point here, last year it was – 
pretty quick. I mean, Tom Coughlin <laughs> comes in in January. Doug Marone's hired as the head coach. Dave Caldwell's here. they got to figure this thing out. And as you said, Hayes, I mean, the draft's in April. Um, who's doing what? Who's communicating with who? And, and Tom Coughlin will say, hey, we just got in a room and got to work. But it is a little clearer now what the roles are and, and how these guys work together, it seems like. Yeah, and you can count me among the people that wondered last year if that whole Marone, Coughlin, Caldwell triumvirate would work. Not only before the draft, but during the season. You know, would it blow up in their face? Would it be a problem? And, you know, to all of their credit, they made it work. And now, obviously, having success on the field helps with that. But I think this year, and I, I think Tom said it on Friday, too, that. You know, we kind of know what we're doing in terms of, you know, the, the the process went pretty smooth for us last year, which to me sounded like a little bit of a surprise for me, um, you know, just because they were thrown in, like you said. But, I mean, they've got they've got this down pat. T- to nail what they nailed last year in the draft, like those guys said, um, with that little time together to kind of figure out things, I think was pretty impressive. So, you know, like Hay said, you got to wonder, you know, what what they can do with now a full year, knowing what they want, knowing what the team is going to look like. Well, there hasn't been a lot yeah. of changeover. That that certainly helps. That helps. I mean, you know, Dave and his entire front office remained intact. Tom came in, and I don't think Tom came in and started throwing deck chairs off the Titanic. I mean, I think Tom came in and and saw it. And then the big thing with Tom is he set the vision for what they, who they are, and what they want to be. And that's going to be run the ball, play great defense. And they drafted to that, and they attacked free agency twice to that. And I would expect them to go into this draft with that exact same mentality and not wavering at all. So it's a vital draft, though, because there's not much more free agency they can go after in the next year or so because there's not a lot of money left over after this. And this is a new world. It has been building up to – this window right now to, to be able to, to spend that money the last couple of years, you got to make that happen on the field and in the draft and on the field moving ahead here. Well, this is a huge year because this is a year where they legitimately can win the Super Bowl or at least get there. We don't know Are what you calling it? New England. I'm not is that calling a prediction? it. I'm not calling it. <laughs> I'm yet. calling it. I'm not I'm calling, calling it yet. I want to see in the Super what. Bowl. Uh, yeah, and they might be. I mean, I want to see what New England does, uh, but they've had a, a lot of roster turnover already. Um, they are well armed in the draft, so we'll see. They still have Tom Brady. Um, but you look at the rest of the AFC, and I think the Jaguars on paper stack up, you know, more than you know, well against everybody else that you would throw out there. The NFC is loaded. Um, the Jaguars could be the fifth or sixth best team in the NFC, but in the AFC, where there is some imbalance right now, uh, if the Patriots ever do fall off, sorry, Duraco. But if they ever do, <laughs> it's happening. Fall We're off, watching it. They're crumbling. Um, yeah. yeah, then it gets really, uh, it gets really interesting for for this team. So uh, it is. It's 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 time to go win it and uh, and win it now. They have the the tools to do it. And to your point about the money, I mean, yes, they're a little up against the cap, but they can easily shed forty million next year. Uh, and again, it'll depend on how some of these guys play. But they are still in a in a position where they can release some players with very little to no dead money and really still be aggressive if that's what they chose to do. 29th overall pick. It's a strange place, at least in recent history, for the Jags. Yeah, what the heck are we going to do for like the first two and a half hours of that draft where we used to be done by like 9.30? Eat the press food in the, <laughs> <on> the hallway. <laughs> I'm sure we'll think of something. Make fun of Gene. <laughs> Just kidding, Gene. <laughs> Just kidding, Gene. <laughs> Uh, so, the, the, what, 10 straight years of a top 10 pick for this franchise, and now it's down to 29 like the good old days in the mid to late 90s when you're drafting late. 
it's a different perspective. As Dave Caldwell said Friday, I mean, you can take 10 to 15 guys and just take them off your list because they're not going to be there at 29. So at that point, you get to who's available and what your kind of needs are, who's the best available guy. This could, this could be anybody. Or is that, is that the feeling amongst you guys? Is, it, is there a position that you feel like no matter what they might lean toward, or is it kind of a crapshoot still? Well, yeah. I think it's a handful of positions and uh, that they're going to – because I think this is who they are. They're, they're not going to go get a quarterback at 29. They're not going to go get a, a flashy wide receiver at 29. You don't think it's a quarterback? I, 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 I'd be I would be very stunned. surprised. I'd be stunned if it's a very, quarterback. Very I'd be surprised. stunned if it's a receiver. I, a wide receiver. I think they're, they, are, they have set this foundation. They are who they are. They embrace who they are across the board. They created uniforms to match who they are on the field. I mean, that's – the most, I mean, it's, it's like the most obvious sign of this is who we are, and we're going to even show it in what we put on our helmet. Uh, and so to me, that says you draft either an offensive lineman, uh, maybe a defensive player in the front seven, I would think, or, or a tight end that's like an offensive lineman. And to me, anything outside of that to me would be an absolute stunner if it was a defensive back, a quarterback, wide receiver, or even a running back. I don't know if I'd go stunner, but I mean, I do agree with him that that's probably the area that they're leaning. And to me, one of the things that stood out at the pre-draft luncheon on Friday was how lively Coughlin was when talking about the tight ends uh, in, in the little group setting that we were we had after the, the main press conference. Um, that kind of stuck with me. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean they're taking a tight end, but certainly, um, as Mark talked about earlier, you kind of look and try and read between the lines, but... I agree with – I mean, I think it's going to be an offensive lineman tight end, uh, I think, or, or my one-two, and then, you know, who knows after that. Now, it also obviously depends on if there's somebody that falls surprisingly um, or if, you know, there's a team that wants to get back into the first round. Mm-hmm. That obviously could play a role in it as well. But but even then, and if they're picking at the top of the second round, I see them probably still sticking with those two positions. There's a theme to this entire offseason. And there is for all 32 teams. But for this team, the theme is get back to the AFC championship game, build a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and finish it this time. Get the players that can finish the game this time and get to the Super Bowl. Norwell does that. Uh, He absolutely is everything you'd want at left guard. That's why I do think it will be another interior position on the right side. Again, it depends on who's there. But if it's, you know, McGlinchey out of Notre Dame, the tackle, if it's Wynn, the guard out of Georgia, Hernandez, the guard out of Georgia, I think one of those three will be there. Uh, and, and I think they're going to give it a hard look. I, I do not see it being a perimeter player. This is not an administration that, that really seems to be overly uh, interested in making the perimeter its priority, at least on offense. They did it on defense with Boye and Jalen. But I think when you look at, at what this team needs, they have a chance, if they hit on the 29th pick on an offensive lineman, they have a chance to have the best, NF- the best offensive line in the NFL with what Cam Robinson was able to do as a rookie, with Brandon Linder at center, and what Norwell's been able to do if he has a smooth uh, transition to Jacksonville. This offensive line could be stunningly good next year, and I don't think Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone are going to be able to resist that temptation to try and make that happen. As they said in the introduction last year, Tom Coughlin, football was designed to be played a certain way, and that's in the trenches, toughness, grit, and all that stuff. 
Um, so offensive and defensive lines, that's where that starts and ends. So the defensive line is already arguably the best of the National Football League, and the O-line could be well on its way. So final thoughts here. Mark Long, Mike DiRocco, Hayes Carline. Um, who is it? I'm putting you on the spot right now. The board, everybody slides down to 29 and is available <laughs> in a key world, which is not, you know, which is make-believe, in, in a world that uh, is a perfect world, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Who the Jaguars take at 29? I'll go Mike McGlinchey. I don't know that he'll be there, but I think perfect world uh, Mike McGlinchey gets to 29 and can challenge Parnell in camp, and if he can't beat out Parnell, could kick inside and uh, overtake A.J. Can at right guard. Maybe the offensive lineman from Notre Dame. Yes. And I actually would have, would have said the same guy, but in the interest of debate here, I will go Hayden Hurst, tight end out of South Carolina. I just think uh, the guy is one of the rare tight ends in this draft and in the last five years who can – who can come in and, and do both, who can block, inline block, and get down the field and make some plays. And they talked about that at, at nauseum on Friday, that finding a tight end who can do both is absolutely critical and is very, very difficult in today's age. And he has some life experience. He's a little older, played some baseball, had some issues there, and has worked his way back local guy as well. Mike DiRocco. I think they're – God awful perfect scenario would be Quentin Nelson dropping twenty nine. Never going to happen, obviously. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I'm I'm with these guys. I'll throw out another name that's potential because I you know I think McGlinchey's probably going to be gone. Uh, Connor Williams, uh, he can play both tackle guard. So I mean that would help them. Uh, you can slide him in at right guard, and uh, you know if he doesn't you know mind playing there for a year, and then maybe slide him out to right tackle the year after when Jeremy Parnell's done. Um, so. I think we're all pretty much in the ballpark, you know, position-wise. So I think it's not. I don't think it's going to be a surprise. I, you know, we talked about earlier. I think mm-hmm. this is this is where they're going. I'm going to come out of left field for you. I was just going to say it's going to surprise people because if you look at all the mock drafts out there, well, they, surprise they got them taking quarterbacks and wide receivers and, <laughs> and cornerbacks, and that's not who they are. But true. Know. True. Um, you mentioned the front seven on defense could be a possibility as well because a lot of those guys could be gone. In theory, Hurst could be gone. Your guys could be gone. Sure. Uh, Rashawn Evans, Alabama linebacker. Oh, awesome. he went with the Alabama, Alabama, guy. Alabama guy. Wow. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, wow. I noticed him on his draft board up here, too. <laughs> yeah. to the, and I was like, I wow. I'm stunned. Yeah. So that's possible. Um, something to think about as well. We'll look forward. Uh, what kind of coverage do you guys have all week? Hayes, we normal radio stuff? We got writing? What do you got going on? We will have Thanks. normal radio stuff, uh, so stay <laughs> tuned. What <laughs> the heck means. does that mean? And, <laughs> uh, and yeah, we'll have uh, stories on 1010XL.com uh, as well, as well as uh, some draft videos on the website. So hopefully you guys will enjoy those. Draft videos, huh? Draft videos. I've got to defend Dan Holland because all this guy does is rip my poor coach from Gainesville. I love Dan. You ripped him. I ripped him for bringing out spring former game players. Spring is Tom game. Coughlin going to bring it's out Fred game. Taylor and Jimmy Smith? The kid passes at the scrimmage. He might. He might. It was absurd. I'm with Hayes on this absurd. one. I was there at the game. I didn't like it. What do you what got? What were you doing at a spring game? Oh yeah, you covered. Yeah. You worked it. That's a, I what do you got this week, Mark? Just writing some stories. I, I got. AP, a, uh, I actually. Yeah, videos. I got. Uh, well, I got a little bit. I'm going to write up a, a Jags setup for the for the draft, and I got a. Uh, I got actually a pretty good baseball team over in Gainesville, so I'm doing a baseball story next week, and I'm doing a feature on uh, Taven Bryan, who will be drafted based on potential and not production. You're spread too thin. Um, Mike DiRocco, <laughs> what do you got this week? Uh, you know what? It, 
I'm taking a look at all these mock drafts, and I'm going to sit there and try and find a consensus about what guys think and then tell you why it's right and wrong. Uh, you know, I think that's probably the, the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, and then, you know, feature on, you know, what they should do, tight ends. I mean, offensive line. What, what's the best um, scenario for them? And, um, you know, I'm actually up in, in Bristol all week for ESPN NFL meetings. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot Good of fun. Time. Our mock draft on Tuesday night, live mock draft on Tuesday night. And so. then on Wednesday, they, they talk about whether or not they should continue to cover the Jags. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. On that note, we will call this a podcast. Mike DiRocco, ESPN. Good to see you. Mark you. Long, the Associated Press. Thanks for having me. And Hayes Carlin at 1010XL. Thanks, JP. And finally, a big congrats for the newest members of the Roar of the Jaguars cheerleaders. Two weekends ago, nearly 200 competitors were paired down to a final 49 after the first round of auditions. This past Saturday, those finalists went through two more rounds of auditions, including dancing basics in the early sessions and a solo dance performance later in the day. The new team found out over a phone message late Saturday afternoon. And with 23 veterans back for 2018, there are 11 new members of the Roar. You'll be able to see many of the new team perform for the first time Thursday night at that uniform launch and draft party at Daly's Place. Register for free tickets, jaguars.com slash draftparty18. Thanks to Jags manager Radio Joe Fortunato, and we'll catch you next time on the J.P. Shadrick Podcast.